The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Daddy and Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Ben McKee, Jason Swain. It is hour two, and hour two is brought to you by Action 247, Tennessee's only legal sports book. Double your deposit using the promo code Swain Event. First deposit, double that using the promo code Swain Event. We'll get to that here. Tennessee and South Carolina play tomorrow we'll we'll get to the odds here in a second but now it's time for touchdown or turnover back by alcoa 10 federal credit union place where you belong better rates and better service ben mckee jason swing man everybody was in double figures versus texas a&m everybody was in double figures will we see Three or more vowels in double figures tomorrow versus South Carolina. Now, let's think about this. Tennessee is on the road. Tennessee is playing at 1 p.m. What Tennessee team are we going to see now? They'll be better than South Carolina. The one in orange. Hopefully. But this is an away game. It's not home like it was a couple days ago when Tennessee played Texas A&M and it was balling out of control. Will we see three or more players in double figures tomorrow, Ben? Touchdown, turnover. Touchdown. South Carolina's not good. They're bad. (laughs) They suck. It's pretty simple, right? They, They are not good whatsoever. Uh, their their defense is is actually ranked pretty pretty well when you look at these statistics. According to Kempom, they have the thirtieth most efficient defense, and teams don't shoot that well against them. They turn teams over. They block shots. They they get and and the turnovers that they force they they're kind of. There's several different types of turnovers. There's turnovers that the defense it itself produces by by jumping a passing lane and, and stealing the pass, or or there's turnovers that are non-steal turnovers. Dead ball to yeah, the analytics. Yeah, you're, you're dead ball turnovers. Turnovers right. that go out of bounds, right? And, or dribble know. it off a foot because of pre- defensive pressure or something like that. Um, they they do both well. The one thing that they do not do, or the two things they don't do well on defense, though, they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, and they give up a lot of free throws, and a lot of field goal attempts as as well. So uh, Tennessee will have plenty of opportunities to score the basketball. It, it will be physical. They'll be in your face. Uh, you can always count on Frank Martin's team playing uh, tough defense. But uh, Santi, I would be surprised if he doesn't get the double digits. Uh, I think Josiah will pick back up where he left off and it's a homecoming for him so you know he's going to want to, to really play well I, I think he'll be in double digits uh, and then I'll say Olivier gets double digits and I'm, do I do I think Kennedy and Zakai both get the double digits I'll, I'll say one of those two so I'll say four get the double digits and, uh, and Tennessee wins obviously because their offense is terrible. 30th in defensive efficiency, 223rd in offensive efficiency. They don't shoot the ball well. They turn it over a ton. They're not they don't they don't at all shoot the ball well from 3. They don't shoot the ball well at the free throw line. Their shots get blocked. They're they they produce steals and dead ball turnovers like you mentioned. They're just pathetic offensively. Justin Powell, please shoot more than five times in this game. Please. Man, 
don't even hesitate. Shoot that ball, man. The last time that he shot the ball more than five times in the game was against Vanderbilt. Uh, January the 18th. Um, and then Kentucky there. So, man, shoot it. Rick Barnes already said, man, you coming out if you don't shoot open shots. So, Which is it's strange. Just to tell you all you need to know about uh, the green light that you have. So let it fly, my friend. Let it fly. Ken Palm projects an eight-point win for Tennessee, which is surprising. That's I guess it. since it's on the road, gives them yeah. – a 76% chance of winning, which is pretty high, uh, but just a 70-62 win. So Kim Palm has it as an eight-point win for the balls. Tough defense on the road. Tennessee's offense does what it does. You, you can bank on a five-minute stretch of play where they don't make a shot. They had one that went about four and a half minutes last game in the middle of the second half when A&M cut it to – what did A&M cut it to? Was it, it wasn't a one-point game. It was like two- or three-point game, right? As, yeah. As yeah. close as they cut it in the second half. And, and Tennessee nearly hit that five-minute stretch. But I, I rounded up. Four and a half minutes without making a shot is ridiculous and should never happen. So, against a, a tough defense in Carolina, I'm sure that there will be another one this weekend. So, I, I can understand just an eight-point win. But I – if, if like that was the the line, which the, the the line on gambling sites comes out today, the, it always comes out the day before, just like the refs are not announced until the day of. I I would imagine the line is is somewhere around ten, eight, nine, ten, and I I think I'd take the over. I think Tennessee's going to blow South Carolina out. I I think I think Tennessee has started to turn a page. I know the the first. 30 to 35 minutes of the Texas game was was brutal. But uh, aside from that, they, they've they looked pretty good since the Kentucky game. You beat Vanderbilt. You beat LSU. You beat Florida. You nearly came back and beat Texas on the road. And then you beat Texas A&M. You should beat South Carolina. Uh, so you've won four straight conference games. Should be a fifth straight tomorrow. Tomorrow you go to the hump on Wednesday. And uh, Kim Palm, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games remaining. Uh, he predicts Tennessee goes eight and two the rest of the way. So if you go eight and two, that's twenty-one and nine and twelve and six in conference play. Really, really good season right there. Doesn't <laughs> which would be kind of crazy after the way we've we've felt about the team at times and the way we've talked about them at times, but. 21 and 9, 12 and 6 in, in a really good basketball league. That is that is big time. Yeah. No, yeah, we'll we'll take it. I mean, right now, Joe Lenardi has Tennessee as a, as a four seed in, in the tournament, and there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Um, you mentioned the rest of the regular season games, but then you have the conference tournament. So, text box, ATL VFL says, how many spread points does a team get in basketball for being at home? Uh sure. Yeah, typically it's like you know, two and a half to six, somewhere in that range. It really depends. Football is easy. It's like three. But um, six? Basketball could range from, you know, two and a half to, to huh. about six points. Just, it, you know, it just depends on the uh, the venue and the teams. But in football, it's a little bit easier. It's usually it's usually around, around three. So, um, Tennessee case, there has been a – kind of a reoccurring theme with Tennessee in away games. They're a totally different team away from Thompson Bowling Arena. So if you are setting the line on Tennessee uh, on the road, then obviously I think it factors the fact that they have played better at home factors into it. Now, if you are a team that just you, you, you consistent home and away, then I'm pretty sure that's going to also factor into the, the uh, line being set. 865-255-03, Vaultfield says, it feels like the Texas game was a wake-up that they needed. If they hadn't turned the corner, they are in process of turning it. Yeah, I mean, when we came back the Monday after the Texas game, losing that game, you know, we discussed, did that, like, will that, that surge late in the game, will that carry over? 
will that kind of be the turning point for this Tennessee basketball team offensively or as a team, the identity? I mean, to kind of be left for dead and to come back in that in that moment, Zachary Ziegler making some shots, uh, Josiah shooting the ball better. Like, Josiah has, has been dang good over the last couple games. And would have dropped 20 points against Texas A&M if it wasn't for foul trouble. And then he was the best shooter against Texas. So, uh, Josiah certainly has been on a tear in the last couple of games as far as uh, his offensive game. But we know defensively and the intangibles, he he's the glue guy. and Does a lot of things that really doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But in the last two games, he has been stuffing the stat sheet as well on, on offense. Yeah, I just... Like downtown Vol says, I don't think the Texas game was the wake-up call. I think the Kentucky blowout loss was. We've looked different since then, and I I do agree with that. They they have, and and the record speaks for itself. They're four and one since that game, and uh, a wide open Josiah Jordan James three from beating Texas to be five and zero oh since that Kentucky game. So I I do yeah. it. I do agree that the Kentucky game was a wake-up call, but not for production on the court, but for how Tennessee needs to prepare for games and in that realm and needing leadership to, to really, truly step up. I think that was the, the biggest wake-up call was, was kind of off the court more so than, than on the court. And not that Tennessee's players weren't listening to the coaching staff or, or that they were lazy, not working hard. It's just that they, they kind of needed to trust what they were doing in practice once they got into a game. And there, there were some that needed to, to be more demonstrative in the game as well from a leadership standpoint. And you've seen that from Olivier. Urosh gave a big spark that following week against Vandy, against LSU. Uh, again, Olivier, had, I think Olivier has been tremendous since the Kentucky game in terms of just bringing the physicality and he's been really good defensively. He's been really good defensively all season. And now he's starting to kind of trust what he's doing in practice. And, and I thought it was very telling that Josiah the other night said that for the first two years, Olivier wasn't being wasn't wasn't willing to be coached his first, first two years on campus. He, he made life hard on himself because he was not willing to be coached. And this summer, he let his guard down. He allowed himself to be coached. He's put in a ton of work, and he's really matured and, and taken that step, and it's starting to pay off for him. And He's not always the most efficient offensively, but since that Kentucky game, he has, he has brought a physical presence. He has communicated extremely well on the court. I don't remember which game it was. But Rick, a couple of weeks ago, said it was the most that Olivier's ever talked on, on the floor in a game. And that, that was huge, huge, huge for uh, one of their defensive efforts. It might have been the LSU game in which Olivier was, was really good in terms of communicating. And, and you can see it just watching him throughout the game. I mean, he talks more and more now. So just doing things like that. It's not that they weren't working hard before. It was just finding that next step and more so just trying to find some some leadership as well and not being afraid to be a leader. I think that that's where the, the Kentucky game has been the biggest wake-up call. 865-255-03. Todd says, uh, what's the chances Kevin Steele makes it three programs in a week and goes to Auburn again? <laughs> Should have just hired Kevin Steele off the bat. I know, right? Uh, Vaughnville says, uh, no, downtown Vaughn says, good analysis being after that Kentucky loss was also when Barnes start putting Uros into the starting lineup, too. I think moving forward to the bench has been a good move right now. Uh, Vol fans says Tennessee actually played decent offense against Kentucky. Uh, if Josiah keeps up his aggressive offensive play, I think the team will follow. JJJ has been shooting really well the past month. He sets the tone. I've also seen uh, Santi getting on players' mid game the past couple games. Great to see. With oh, Josiah, yeah. I I want I don't know about you, Swain, but I had this thought the other night against A and M. Go to the rim more. And get out and run as well. I, I wish that they would really get out and run more because they have athletic basketball players that that can truly make plays 
in transition, like Kennedy and Zakai and Josiah, even Victor to a certain extent, uh, Justin. I mean, they're athletic guys who can make plays in transition. I kind of wish they would get out and, and kind of get to the rim more than, than just kind of settle, settling into their offense. And, and Josiah being aggressive and taking it to the rack like he did. Uh, Rick said the, the best basketball player Victor Bailey has ever made was when he had that dunk. He turned mm-hmm. down an open three, sure let did. the defender fly by him, and they drove and, and slammed it home. Like, I want to see more of that. Yeah, I want to stack in the rim, too. It seems like when we play a game, you look at the stats, uh, our opponent has more fast break points than us. So, I want to see us, you know, and I thought we would be able to do more of that considering Kennedy Chandler kind of being a one-man fast break and being as quick and fast as he is, but um, I'm with you on, on that, Ben. 865-255-03. Uh, Attaboy is going to be very, very special today. Very special today. Don't go anywhere. Very special attaboy today. Swain event fueled by Daddy and Barbecue. Hour two is brought to you by Action247. TN Action247 on Twitter. Stay with us. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain event app. Top 100 barbecue restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Litter is a big problem in Tennessee, but together we can do big things. We can make our cities, our waterways, our roads cleaner and safer. The Tennessee Department of Transportation is committed to reducing litter in our communities, but we need your help to do it. There are over 100 million pieces of litter in our roads at any given time, and it costs TDOT about $19 million a year just to clean it up. The first step to keeping Tennessee beautiful is to rally behind these three simple words. Nobody trashes Tennessee. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Out-of-town law firms have been swarming into East Tennessee lately. Firms from Memphis, Chattanooga, and Birmingham have stormed into the area. Wouldn't you rather do business with a local law firm? You know, a true neighbor. Marcos Garza and the pros at the Garza Law Firm are just that. They are our neighbors and friends that support local causes year-round. The Garza Law Firm works to serve you professionally on criminal matters, injuries and accident matters, and Social Security and disability filings. The Garza Law Firm is here for you at GarzaLaw.com. The Garza Law Firm, let us help. J.C.'s Tree and Landscaping Service specializes in quality tree work done at an affordable price. Trimming and removing trees are their specialty. They also offer other services like land clearing, stump grinding, crane services, and all of your basic landscaping needs for both commercial and residential. J.C.'s will give you a free estimate and beat any written quote by a competitor to guarantee that you get the lowest price around. Don't risk your land with the fly-by-night service. J.C.'s Tree and Landscaping is licensed and insured. Give them a call at 865-599-3799. I just wanted to come by and congratulate you on the great work you've been doing. I like your style. You remind me of a young me. Failure is not an option. That boy is good. Don't remind yourself. Nobody built like you. You design yourself. Attaboy. Attaboy is brought to you by Made in Tennessee Business Fiber Internet from Iris Networks. Find business solutions for you at irisnetworksusa.com. Special attaboy today. Why is it special? Because um, yesterday, I got a message from a Tennessee fan, a listener of the program. And this listener of the program wanted to donate tickets 
to the show for the House of Sport NIL event at Dick's Sporting, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, it is Basketball Knockout with John Fulkerson and Zakai Ziegler, a.k.a. Gotcha. I didn't know they called it Basketball Knockout. As I was reading like the description of, of like the event, I was like, wait a minute, that's Gotcha. You call it Gotcha? I called it knockout growing up. Yeah, we called it we called it gotcha. So basketball knockout, gotcha, whatever. I but, was great at knockout. Oh yeah. Well, well, because you was really quick at missing the first shot and putting up the second <laughs> one before the other person made the first one. Both. I know you wouldn't make in the first shot from the top. You, of the you you see my shot, and and all I know is one of us is one for three inside of Thompson Bowling Arena this season, and it's not you. Oh, you shot some. Yeah, we were waiting on uh, basketball practice to start like two weeks ago, and I got fed in the corner, missed the first one, made, missed the second one, made the third one. So you're 33%? 33%. Well, empty gym? Yep. Great job, Ben. <laughs> I haven't shot a basketball in a while, so I'll take it. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I have tickets for the 2 p.m. slot, the House of Sport NIL event, basketball knockout with John Fulkerson and Zakai Ziegler, so, if you have a kiddo, if you're listening, you have a kiddo, uh, it is February the 6th, Sunday at 2 p.m. So, Sunday, 2 p.m., if you have a son or a daughter, uh, the, this event is open to athletes ages 6 and up. Each athlete will have the opportunity to play in one game of knockout Uh with each player as well as receive one autograph and photo. So, Swain event, we have tickets that we want to pass to you and your son or daughter so they can go to this event for free. And an Ada boy, Ada girl, goes to the, um, no, Ada girl, excuse me, goes to our listener. She purchased the tickets last night and uh, sent them over to, to me. So add a girl to our Swain event listener in, in D.C. that bought these tickets so that way um, young ball fans can be able to have a cool experience, cool moment with John Fulkerson and Zekai Ziegler playing a little knockout or gotcha. So send me an email, swain at swainevent.com uh, if you would like to to go first come first serve and uh, we'll get you taken care of so that is today's at a boy at a girl on the program so thank you so much to our uh, anonymous supporter or ticket purchaser for hooking us up 865-255-03 anything you got over there ben nope that's what ball nation is all about that's pretty cool. That's really cool right there. So, uh, again, give me a shout, DM, email, and uh, if you want to go on Sunday, 2 p.m., uh, take your little one. We, we got you taken care of. We'll cover that for you. We got a couple tickets, and, uh, again, it's first come, first serve. Tremel from chat says, I do. Only Tremel. if you drive with your headlights on. Tremel, you a. If you want to come and bring a kiddo, you got it, man. Give me a shout. We'll get you taken care of, Jamel. You can't play, though, because you're still in uh, rehab from your Achilles. You can't do it, man. Last thing we need is you getting hurt again at an NLL event. That would not be good <laughs> oh, for man. anybody. No, nah, it would be great at all. Poor Auburn fans, man. Like, they're no blank them. They the number one in basketball, but you know there's a lot of Auburn fans that just don't like basketball, and they want to be they want to be good in football. It's like here. I mean, we got fans that it didn't matter when when Tennessee's number one. It just it just didn't move the needle for them because the game of basketball just didn't move the needle for them. They wanted to be they want they wanted to be football, and football is a dumpster right now at at Auburn. It is a dumpster. You know, I have a I have a rant that's been building up this week. 
everybody's making a big deal out of Bruce Pearl being paid more than the football coach. That that has been a big topic of discussion about <laughs> Auburn's basketball coach. There's not a problem with it, is it? People making it a problem. No, it's just I don't understand why it's the point of conversation. Who cares? This isn't UNLV or Jackson State or Connecticut or Minnesota where those schools have to make decisions at Auburn, at Tennessee, any any sport in the SEC, maybe besides Missouri or Vanderbilt. Uh <laughs> And and I'm I'm and I, more so like the big like Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, like those schools. It could have the highest paid coach in every single sport at its school and still be perfectly fine. So why do we always talk about the the the, the football coach being paid less than the basketball coach? Who cares? Auburn can afford to pay Bruce Pearl top five money. They can afford to pay Brian Harson or whoever the football coach is top five money and be perfectly okay. How much money are they spending in buyouts in, in within 15 months? If they get rid of Harson and uh, they don't fire him for calls between Gus Malzahn and Harson and his staff, I mean, we lowballing it probably, what, 40? Yeah. But yet people want to talk about the basketball coach being paid more than the football coach. I realize that basketball isn't everybody's favorite sport but who cares if you've got the resources to do so and in fact if you do have the resources resources to do so you should try to find the best coach in every single sport like tennessee if if josh heupel can can get tennessee to atlanta tennessee can afford to pay top money for its football coach basketball coach and baseball coach all at the same time and in fact they could add women's basketball and softball and volleyball in there too if they wanted to People are so simpletons, such simpletons, and it's so annoying. Like, these schools have the resources. You don't have to pick one or the other. Like, you don't have to get mad about a school investing into basketball or investing into baseball when when you are a top school. Again, if it's those other schools that I mentioned earlier, like a UNLV, a Jackson State, like, they have to make decisions Mm -hmm. because they don't have the type of support or money to to put into all of the programs, but – these top SEC schools and, and top schools around the, the country, they can pay top money for each and every one of them. Tennessee could easily pay Tony Vitello to be the highest-paid coach in the SEC and Josh Heupel and Rick Barnes at the same time. I hate that people think that you have to, like, pick. This isn't 10 years ago. No. This is 2022. The SEC is making millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And then it's about to increase as well with the new hundreds of millions. Yes. So you, you can afford to do whatever you want. And we're going to see more and more of these buyouts being paid for that, that seem ridiculous, but that the schools have the money to do so. We're going to continue to see top arenas being built like Alabama unveiled yesterday. Ugh. Like the, though, like the, these things are going to continue to pop up new facilities, new arenas, new stadiums, Stadium renovations, coaches making absurd money in multiple sports. Like at SEC schools, you don't have to pick and choose. You don't have to pick one sport over the other. You mentioned you mentioned lady uh, girls, yeah. women's basketball. We have to talk about them. And I was like, uh, I was trying to forget about what happened last night in Gainesville. Lady Vols, uh, wow, that wasn't good. Uh, has not been good last couple of games. Hopefully this team has not peaked. Uh, the injury to Green might have um, been more significant than the injury to Ray Burrell. My goodness. I mean, they played better with um, than, I won't say they played better without Ray Burrell, but they played pretty dang good when she was absent, and they have played not good at all with Green being out with her torn ACL. So something has to give. Hopefully this team has not peaked too early, but their performance at Auburn was atrocious, and last night was was god-awful. 
I mean, to be the leading rebounding team in the country and to get out-rebounded by Florida uh, and then have the turnovers, almost lose by 30 points. And Florida, Florida had to, like, fire its coach in September. Yeah. She get, they got a good one now, it seems like. they Seems like it, for flipped sure. That, flipped that culture. And, it was an ugly, ugly loss. But I was uh, – I saw where the Lady Vols account tweeted out the score or whatever, and I said, let me just – uh, don't do it. Let me, let me go see these comments. <laughs> let, me go, let me go see how people are going to overreact. And, of course, I don't know. Kelly can get it done. I'm like, yo, man, she, she's, they, won, they lost three games this year. <laughs> like, just, you can't do that every time there's a loss. Like, my goodness. Every time? Like, every every time. time there's a loss, folks are doing that. Well, and what bothers me is, and especially dealing with a message board during games, like with basketball, the moment Tennessee starts to look really bad or it appears that Tennessee is going to take a loss, it seems like everybody comes out of the woodworks to, to comment and, and talk about how terrible of a coach Rick Barnes is. Everybody has something to say when Tennessee is losing. But then when they're beating up on a team like Texas A&M, crickets. Nobody's saying anything. And then that's a societal issue. Negative news drives more than, than, than positive news. That's facts. And, and which I, I, I really struggle with that because I, I, I know I always joke about being a glass half full guy, but I, I really am. And I, I always try to see things in a positive light and, it just makes me feel like a crazy person when everybody else is just being constantly negative and, and freaking out and, and wanting to to fire Rick Barnes after one loss. And the the whole Rick Barnes is a bad coach drives me absolutely nuts. It's, it's like I told somebody the other day, the, the Texas A&M win is a perfect example of we as a fan base taking things for granted, like when Tennessee does lose the game, because – we have a good basketball program that rarely loses games that it shouldn't. Like Rick, uh, the NCAA tournament unfortunately has kind of been when <laughs> Rick has lost the games that he shouldn't. But within the regular season, there haven't been many losses that Rick's taken that like they shouldn't have lost. They're very few and far between. And this season, there there's not. Am I forgetting one? I mean, there's not a loss that. You look at it and say, they should not have, not have lost that game. Like last night, the Lady Vols should not have lost that game. The Lady Vols should not have lost to, to Auburn yeah, last Thursday. Losses. Right. Yeah. Rick hasn't had any of those this year's. And that's they lost just, a good, I mean, they lost to good teams or yes. teams who are, like, right there equal to, to them. And frustrating, don't get me wrong, but I'm, my point is that, like, that's the difference in, in a really good, stable basketball program. And, and – you know, you see other teams that, that are losing games that they shouldn't pretty pretty frequently. And I'm not talking about the Lady Balls, but teams within the SEC, I, I think we kind of take for granted just how stable the basketball program is. Now, unfortunately, those losses, he, he's not a loss that's coming to the tournament. That's a, that's a separate conversation, and, and that, that is a source of frustration. But I, I think people take for granted what Tennessee has with its basketball program right now, and it's really frustrating because they're always quick to say something when Tennessee's losing, but – when they're winning, nobody says anything. Fake Bob Kessler says, I'll believe it when I see it, but if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Titans, that has to put them uh, there with Buffalo, Kansas City is one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl, correct? <laughs> the the national media war has been kind of fun to watch. Man, I don't know if you've you know, seen oh, it. Oh, I've seen it's it. It's reminded me of, of kind of like Knoxville uh, a couple years ago, man. And, um there's, there's, there's folks reporting that you know, Aaron Rodgers is, is, buy, is building a house in Nashville. Like, that means he's going to play for the Titans. I mean, there's a lot of players that don't play for the Titans that live in Nashville because Nashville is a cool place to live. In Tennessee, you can save yourself a whole lot of money on taxes living in Tennessee. So, like, so what if Aaron Rodgers is moving to Nashville? If if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I would want to play for the Titans, though. Heck yeah, man! That 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 would, would be the favorite. Yeah, they would be the Super Bowl favorite. 
Yes, they, 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 they would definitely be up there with anybody. Would definitely be up there with with anybody. I mean, they, the Titans have a ready-made roster. And do you think – I don't think that they're lacking a quarterback per se. They just don't have a game-changing quarterback. Does that make sense? Yeah, they, they're in the same position that the 49ers are in with uh, Garoppolo. Yeah, like I, I think that Tannehill – could lead the Titans to a Super Bowl, but he he's not a, a game changer like Joe Burrow and, and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and, and Tom Brady, obviously. A big Ben. Uh, like he, he's he is single handedly not going to will his team to to the Super Bowl. And you don't necessarily need a quarterback that will do that. But it, it seems when you look at the course of history, most teams that have won the Super Bowl ha- have been on the back of a quarterback that that they win because of, not in spite of. John Robertson, the GM of the Titans, says, uh, I think Ryan is a leader. I think Ryan is tough. I think Ryan has made a lot of great plays for us. He is our quarterback. I don't know that there is a quarterback who stands in the pocket and looks down the barrel of a blitz and throws the ball as good as he does. Huh. I know he works extremely hard, loves his teammates, and uh, is competitive. He's played a lot of good football. To have a micro-evaluation over one game is not fair to any player. I think you have to look at the scope of the body of work and what he has done for this football team since he has been here. Yes, I, uh, agree with, I agree with that statement. I also look at the Rams and I go, hey, man, the Rams knew they had all the pieces and was lacking quarterback, getting over the hump, and they made a move to fix that. So, yeah, Jared Goff. I mean, the Titans are are this year's Rams going into the offseason, right? Yep. And and who who knows if – do you think it'll be a failure even if the Rams still don't win the Super Bowl? Like, all the moves that they have made. Failure, yes. Even still? Yes. Even, like, with – yeah, I agree. Because they got to the Super Bowl with Goff. And so, if if you're getting to the Super Bowl and having the same result with golf, and you wanted to get rid of golf to win a Super Bowl, then yeah, it's a failure, man. Because you made those moves to get Von Miller, mm-hmm. sign Odell Beckham Jr. to bring in Stafford. Right. Like you, you did that to win a Super Bowl. So yeah, yeah, it's a failure. Well, not not that's a great point, but also like when you give up what you gave up to to bring in the guys that you did, you got to win a Super. They don't have a draft pick for like or first round pick for like the next seven years. Like, <laughs> okay. like I promise you, here in a couple years, the Rams are going to stink. One, one staff, I mean, and these guys—it's worth it though. Yes, if you get a Super Bowl, it is absolutely worth it, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. But these guys are old. Uh, really, aside from Cooper Cup, uh, Stafford, back end of his career, Odell—I'd say he's on the back end of his career. Uh, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, they're on the back end of their career. Aaron Donald's been in the league for a minute, hasn't he? I mean, he's, he's, he's in the prime of his career. I know, but when I say back end, I don't mean like he's going to retire in the next two years. But, I mean, he, he does play a, a, position, a position that is pretty hard on his body. You just never know. Yeah. He, has, he has less football ahead of him now than he you're right, though. The Rams will not have a first-round pick for the next um, long time. <laughs> seven years. So, according to ESPN Stats information, the 2021 draft is set to be uh, the Rams' fifth straight without making a first-round selection. With the Matthew Stafford trade, their streak is poised to reach seven straight. The Rams can be the third team since the merger to not have a first-round pick in seven straight years. But if you do a good job with the rest of your picks, yes, then you know you can be all right. But go go get the Super Bowl. I mean, yes. the Eagles did everything that they could do to get that Super Bowl when they got it, and uh, they had a rough year. Got rid of the coach. And, they still make the playoffs last year. Um, so you got to go do whatever it takes to go win. And if you got a mortgage 
your future to do it, whatever, go do it. Because the Bengals have shown you that you can go from being the worst in the NFL to being the best in a conference and go to the Super Bowl in two years. Now, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow special, but still, like, it's possible. Yes. Aaron Donald's 30. So, I mean, he's on the back end of his career. May not retire in the next year or two, but he, I mean, he's you in ain't, his, You he, ain't wrong. It just in, sounds weird because he's in his prime. And, like, I guarantee you, like, in five to seven years, the Rams will stink. Uh, unless they just work miracles with the draft picks that they have. But when you give up as much as they have given up, you've got to go get a Super Bowl. You have to go get a Super Bowl. So they, they've got to find a way to, to win next Sunday, not only to to reap the benefits of all the moves that they've made, but also to prevent the Bengals from, from winning the Super Bowl. We don't want to see that at all. I don't, you, I'm assuming you want the Bengals to win. I don't really care. Well, but I know like most people are rooting for the Bengals because it's a feel-good story. Yeah. And I, I get it, but – Unlike Brad Matthews, I don't root for the teams that are in my division. I don't think the city of L.A. deserves it. They don't deserve a Super Bowl no. champion. No, they don't. They don't They don't really care about sports until the team is good. Like, they're bandwagon sports fans. Mm-hmm. That's L.A. fans for you. So, like, and Matthew the team Stafford. There. Yeah, like, Matthew Stafford deserves it. You know, that's a great story with him and. There's players on that team that you want to see be successful, but, like, the city of L.A., those fans, they don't deserve a dang thing. Like, the Bengals fans deserve it more than the L.A. fans. Yes, they they absolutely do. And if it weren't the Rams, or, I mean, if it weren't the Bengals, if it were, like, the Bills or, obviously, the Titans, like, I would be rooting for them over the Rams. I get it. I don't. I, I I hesitated because I don't know who I'd root for if it was the Chiefs. I think I'd still root for the Rams because I I like again like I said last week when I think of Matthew Stafford I don't think of him as a bulldog because he was a bulldog when I was in middle school and I I didn't hate players like that at at the time I I think of Matthew Stafford as a Detroit Lion honestly I forget that he played for Georgia until I, I sit and think oh where did he play in college and 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 then I remember so I I don't have the 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 dislike for Stafford that that most do around here. So I, I would like to see Stafford get a ring. I think that'd be a really cool story. It'd be cool to see Aaron Donald get a ring. I don't want to see Odell get a ring. <laughs> I, I don't like Odell. I'm sorry. I know you do. I don't like Odell. I like, I like Odell. I, it, 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 I did like to see, like, it was cool to see his him and his mom share the emotion uh, after the game this past weekend of just making it to the Super Bowl. That was really neat. I just, I don't know. I, I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't know. I don't know. He's Forgive di- me. Yeah, to me, he's different than Antonio Brown, he's he's, he's different. He, yes, he he thinks logically. <laughs> he he his brain cells appear to work. Like like AB was with the Steelers and they were competing for championships and had that. Like Odell has not been an issue one time with the Rams because he has a quarterback. He has a a a, a team that's good. He had his problems with the Giants because they were terrible. They were losing, so he, he was mad about it. And then the, the Browns, you know, Baker Mayfield, uh, and all that stuff going on. But he hasn't been uh, one issue, had, had one issue, one one problem there with the Rams. Dude just wants to win, man. Wants to win. And I know, I know. It's, I didn't, we I want know. we want athletes to be robots sometimes, and uh, we don't want them to have a little personality. Odell certainly has a personality. And that can roast the people the wrong way. It, you don't, like, it don't bother me. Am, am I wrong for disliking Jalen Ramsey? I don't like Jalen Ramsey. His, his personality is too much for me. I like Jalen Ramsey. I think he's a heck of a football player. I enjoy watching him as a football player. It's, it's just personality is a little too much for me. Yeah, I, I like Jalen Ramsey. It don't, don't bother me. Oh, I know. Because, I mean, that's, you are Jalen Ramsey and Odell Beckham Jr. That's not true. That is not I mean, and, and there's one big reason why you should not like o, Odell. There's one big reason why you should not like Odell that has nothing to do with football. We won't touch that on this Friday. We'll say freaky, 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 freaky Fridays for the summer. But uh, hey, that's his business, man. It, 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 that's, it, I know you're talking about. It's, it's actually not his business, but it is his business. I mean, that's hey, that's, <laughs> it. that's 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 him, man. That's what he likes to do, whatever. It ain't going to do with me. If you were the Titans, would you try to get Rodgers or, or Wilson or – 
Yeah, I would I would say exactly what John Robertson said about Ryan Tannehill, and then I would go behind his back and see if I can get somebody better. <laughs> That's what I would do. Yeah. Because the last thing you want is to do Ryan Tannehill what the 49ers did to Garoppolo. You don't want you're to stuck that. with him after trying to get rid of him. Well, I mean, you're going to get rid of him, but like you don't want to have your quarterback questioning his, his future and being subjected to what Garoppolo was subjected to this past season with him knowing that he's not going to be there, not going to be the future. They went out and traded up to draft a, a, a young quarterback. Like, you don't you don't want to do that, man. Like, you, you got to lie. I mean, you just have to. Hey, he's our quarterback, which is not a lie because he is your quarterback until he's not. So you support him. You, you, you make him feel good. And then if you have a chance to go out and get someone better, then you do it. You know, the, the, the Buccaneers had a chance to get Tom Brady, and then uh, you, you let go Jameis Winston. But make sure you secure Tannehill before you, you know, move on. Or, oh, he's secured all right. Oh, yeah, I know. He, he signed a big deal not too long ago. So I, I, a trade would, would work. A trade would work. Yeah. They can go get Jimmy G. I would I would take him in Pittsburgh right now. I'll take him over Mason Rudolph. Well, most people most most people would. Most people would. Except apparently the the people who are making the decisions in Pittsburgh. They're gonna kill me. Don't make me jump off Emily. You okay. Greg says anyone thinks Tannehill will lead the Titans to the Super Bowl is clearly not a Titans fan. And somebody who thinks that is clearly a Titans fan and being emotional. The Titans can get to the Super Bowl with Tannehill as their quarterback. They can. I think so because you can ride the back of Derrick Henry. And they've been trying to do it the last couple of years. It ain't worked. I mean, they ran into the Chiefs one year, about twice, as a matter of fact, right? They lost in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs. What was the reason this year? Derrick Henry was not ready when he came back. That ain't the reason. Ryan Tannehill had three, uh, three picks. He, he, correct. But Derrick Henry did not look like Derrick Henry. Yeah, but, like, what what, what, was the last time a running back carried a team to the freaking Super Bowl? Like, when is the last time we've seen that? It's like, I mean, You'd have to go back. It's obviously hard. Now, now to, we live in an era of where it's all quarterback, all quarterback, yeah, all quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's hard to expect a, a running back to have eight guys in a box and still be able to carry a team to the Super Bowl. Like, ah. You got to throw the football, man. You got to have, um, uh, you know, some playmaking ability and some efficiency from the quarterback position to get over the hump. And Todd Ryan Tannehill has has failed those tests in the last couple times. So, I mean, how many more times does he need before the Titans are like, all right, man, we can't waste this roster? But he's only who did they lose to last year? I'm, I'm blanking on who they lost to last year in the playoffs. Because like, I'm not faulting Ryan Tannehill for the year that they beat the Ravens in Baltimore and Derrick Henry through the jump pass, and and then they went to the AFC Championship game. Like they didn't lose because Ryan Chiefs. Tannehill played poorly. They lost because they played the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes was was playing absurd football. Yeah, T- Tannehill was good in that game, right? That's what I'm, I'm talking about. There's like, been one game in the playoffs where it's, they've lost because of him. So like I'm I'm going with the evidence we have more of, which is when the Titans have had success in the playoffs, riding the back of Derrick Henry and Tannehill just not costing them the game and just not being able to make it to the Super Bowl because you ran into the Chiefs. Like, the the Chiefs have been the bigger issue than Tannehill has. And and the Titans did lose this this year because of Tannehill. It was an ugly performance. And, and I if if the opportunity presented itself, I would would move on from Tannehill, but I also don't think that like just because he is the quarterback that they can't make it to the Super Bowl. Like they they can ride Derrick Henry and that offensive line and and make some plays to, to AJ Brown and and that defensive line continues to eat. They can make the Super Bowl. I think. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I I, I wouldn't predict it to happen because again, there's better teams. In, in the AFC right now, the Bills and, and the Chiefs. But Ryan Tannehill also led the Titans to big wins over those two teams this year. 
Chiefs was was two years ago. Last year, they oh lost. yeah, yeah. Last year was that ugly Baltimore game. Yeah. What Tannehill do? Tannehill had uh, thirteen points, so it must not have been that great. One hundred sixty-five yards, one touchdown, one interception. Did Henry eighteen carries for forty yards? So that's my point. You had two two years in a row where and you got you gave the ball to Derrick Henry, and it just didn't work. Yeah, but I, if I remember correctly, last year's issue was the offensive line got absolutely destroyed by the Ravens' defensive front because Lamar. Everybody was hyping up Lamar Jackson, and I came and I came in here and tried to pour cold water on everybody hyping up Lamar Jackson. It's like, no, the Ravens didn't win that yeah. game because of Lamar. They won that game because the the Ravens' front seven destroyed the Titans up front. Yeah, it wasn't like Lamar had a, a, a had a, a great day either. I think he made like one big run. Yeah, he didn't. I mean, he didn't throw a touchdown. Right, and the Ravens won that game because of the front seven, and the Titans could not do anything because the offensive line was absolutely getting destroyed. The problem with having Tannehill as as your quarterback is you have to have everybody clicking at the same time. Like you have to have Derrick Henry not coming off of a significant foot injury. You have to have the offensive line playing extremely well. Uh, there's been times where the Titans' defense has has let them down, and that wasn't the issue this year but they they need the defensive line to, to play like it did this year you, you need the secondary to to not just give up a, a million passing yards that that's the problem when you have a guy like Tannehill at quarterback it's like yeah he can you can have success with him as quarterback but it's it's going to be because the, the rest of your team is also playing perfect football because he's not going to mask any deficiencies and yeah. that is why I would move on from him if I if I got the opportunity, yeah, that makes sense. I just don't like I, what is a realistic option. Like if I'm Aaron Rodgers and it came down to the Titans or the 49ers, I'd probably go play for the 49ers. He's got better receivers than the Titans, but Titans have. Who would you rather have on your team, Debo Samuel or AJ Brown? And, and that's a tough question because they're two different players. With Debo, you get more versatility, but I think AJ is the if better I, receiver. Yeah, if I'm if I'm if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I would I would go with I would go with uh, AJ Brown. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, and you know if I was taking if I had to pick between the four nines or the Titans, I would I would go Titans and AJ Brown. Uh, I also would would. Here's another question that hasn't I haven't seen asked: Would Aaron Rodgers even want to play in the type of system that just feeds Derrick Henry the whole time? Where that's that's the focal point. I mean, maybe he would to take less pressure off of him. Uh, whatever Aaron Rodgers is doing, it's gonna be his system. Like I don't, he doesn't strike me as somebody that just wants to hand the ball off. Yeah, it's gonna be his system. Um, and I'm sure Derek Henry would be okay with not getting 30, 25 carries a game either, so he can play longer. Hour three coming up.